0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Doxology. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Betsy. I'm a member here, and I will be reading our sermon scripture passage for this evening. Um, So this evening we'll be reading from two different passages, first from Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through 11, and then from Mark chapter 2 verses 23 through 28. So I invite you to turn there in your Bible um, and you can follow along. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can borrow one of the black ones from the back of the pew in front of you. Um, We do ask that you return those since they belong to Christ Church, but we have some blue Bibles in the lobby that you can keep as our gift to you if you need a Bible. Um, So when we read scripture, we will stand together in order to show reverence for God's word and for the truth that he's giving us. So in a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand and then after the reading of scripture, I'll say this is God's word and we will all respond together with thanks be to God. So I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand um, as we read Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through 11 and then Mark chapter 2 verses 23 through 28. So this is Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through 11. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who are with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Ibathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is God's word. Thanks be to God.
1: Good evening. Thank you for having me um, again. I was thinking about how you all must love Jesus uh, because a service at 4 o'clock is, um, hmm, like, doesn't really fit conveniently. You know, like, um, so services tend to be held either in the morning, and uh, quite honestly, part of the reason is so that we can get it done with and, you know, really uh, Sabbath. Or it's done, like, a little bit later for people who had fun on Saturday night. And, you know, they're recovering. But this time, I was thinking, oh, man, these, you all must really love Jesus. I, I don't know why I was thinking about that the entire service. But um, <laughs> I uh, was also thinking that someday, if you ever have a retreat, I would love to invite myself. And this is why. I feel like we now know one another enough, Right. Um, I would recognize you much better. I, I got glasses about a month ago, and I had them for two weeks, and then I lost them. <clears throat> so my wife said, you can't get glasses again for another year. <laughs> so here I am. Um, but, I, you know, I'd love to, I love to. doing Q&A, like just uh, really getting to know one another. I do apologize that my Sundays are a little busy, and so I have to um, you know, hop in and hop out. But it's good to be with you all. I, um, I think Steve knows this. Um, I actually, I really believe in your church. I really do. And I say that because uh, I'm known, I'm notorious actually for saying no to most things in life. But um, something about Steve, I don't know what it is. (laughs) He's got like that Jedi (laughs) charm. But I, and I think, again, you are at such a sweet place because, um, you know, I, I suspect you will grow. And when you grow... Uh, you will miss these times of uh, being, you might say, more intimate and small. And so I would encourage you to cherish this time together. So today, I want to speak to you about work. And I know that seems like, wait, we're talking about the Sabbath. But there's no way you can talk about the Sabbath without talking about um, work. They really go together, right? And so... This is the hard part about this subject. There is so much written on this subject, so much, that the temptation for me is to just talk about, like, just so many different things, and then you walk away with nothing, basically, right? And so I recognize that when we go through the Ten Commandments, um, we could talk about so many things. Like, even, I want you to think about this with me for a moment. We're talking about the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, right? And this is something that God has given to his people very explicitly, very clearly. But isn't this interesting? We take some of the commandments seriously. You know, like, do not murder, like, that one's, you know, maybe, um, like, you know, don't commit adultery, things like that. But for some reason, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't take the fourth commandment that seriously, right? Like, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, Sabbath this week, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, it's not not really that big of a deal to us, right? And I was thinking about, but isn't it interesting that God would place this as number four? And we don't want to put too much of an emphasis on the sequence, but maybe one reason is because how much of your life how much of each week do you devote to work? And maybe we have to get a better handle on work by understanding it in terms of work and Sabbath. So, you know, just again, a lot of things that we could talk through. But today, I think the main um, point I want to make is that God calls us to work, and he shows us how to be fruitful, and he also gives us the power to do so. Okay, so those are just the three things I want to talk to you about today. God calls you to work, and he shows us how to do it, and he also gives us the power to do so. So let's begin to work through this, right? Um, God calls us to work. Um, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, I grew up in New York City, so it's a very different world there. One of the things that's been so interesting about this area for me is meeting many vets, Maybe some of you know. Maybe some of you have served. And um, I think about, I've been reading these books. Uh, Maybe some of you have read this book. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. It's a a phenomenal uh, book. It's about trauma and all of that. And so uh, this weekend in particular, given it's Memorial Day weekend, I was thinking about that uh, famous movie. I think all of you have seen it. Remember uh, Saving Private Ryan? It's a great movie. And there's this uh final scene i think all of you remember this the main character played by tom hanks he's dying and as he's like breathing his last breath uh breath uh the soldier, private riot whom everyone like died just to save comes closer because he can tell that tom hanks wants to tell him something and do you remember what his last words were he said earn this earn this And um, what he was getting at was so many men, men not in the abstract, but husbands, fathers, sons, they died so that you could live. And what he was basically getting at was like, don't waste your life. Don't waste it. And I think about that because in Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, God has saved us by grace so that we might walk in the works that he has provided for us. And even in this passage, what's very interesting is that it brings us back to the creation account when there was nothing and there was the void. And then God, he worked. He was fruitful, right? And basically... The call to work is to become like God. And so this is the first point that I, I want to make, and I know it seems so obvious, but, but I actually don't think a lot of Christians take this that seriously. Do you understand that God wants us not to waste our lives? Do you understand that like He, the Son's blood was shed so that we might bear much fruit? Through, right he doesn't simply want us to coast through life right but it's like this so you know um the bible is actually really clear about this that someday when you and i die everyone will have to give an account to god everyone ha- will have to give an account to god and so this is the mistake that i think a lot of believers make to be clear right and by the way this is very important to know. When Peter asks you why you should enter into gates of glory, which we don't know, but let's just say the answer is obviously what? Jesus, okay? And so that, that is the correct answer, right? Your salvation depends on the work of Jesus. It depends on grace and grace alone. So unfortunately, well, fortunately, but unfortunately, I think many believers take this and they think, all right, okay, that's great. You know, uh, Jesus died for my sin, but it seems like I have another 30, 40 years left, and so I'm just going to, like, uh, hang out. And, you know, like, you know, because we're saved by grace, not by works, right? But the Bible also says so much about someday when we stand before God, and this is a very sobering thought, we will have to give an account for how we stewarded our lives, that is, how we worked. And that's why there's that famous parable, five talents, two talents, one talent. You know, Steve has five. I have one. <laughs> yeah, but you get the idea, right? Like, and you know what's, what's very clear? It says the master will come back, and you have to give an account. Salvation by grace doesn't mean therefore your life is your life and live however you want to, right? Again, like think about the garden. God labored so that his work would make the world fruitful. Jesus died so that you could be free from the power of sin, so that what? Your life could bear so much fruit. And so, I want to, like, friends, I just want to ask you to, like, just take inventory. Do you live, like, in such a way, again, saved by grace and grace alone? But do you live in such a way where you realize someday I will have to give an account to God? You know, I do I have to work uh, to show that Jesus' sacrifice for me was not wasted, right? Um, I've been here enough where you know my parents are missionaries. And uh, I want to be clear. They are not saints by any means. Uh, Recently... They took a break, and they're here. They're living in Vienna, Virginia, and it's like seven minutes from where I live, and it has been absolutely miserable, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, they've been so out of touch with the real world that they're like, what is this, Paul? Like, this internet, and they, if something doesn't work, they just do this thing that my five-year-old does. They keep hitting the screen more, like, as if, I was like, stop, stop, no, 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 don't do that. So it has been, uh, honestly, it's been pretty miserable. Um, so I don't want to make it seem like they're, you know, everything is great. But, you know, um, one thing that has never escaped my mind is this. So they are, I think, 72. I don't know because they've been telling me that for five years now. So I, I really don't know. I think they are somewhere in their seventies, right? And I'm very struck by this. I'm very struck by this. Um, they're missionaries in Honduras they work their tails off. I cannot, it is really um, impression making. And my dad is a dentist, and basically this is what he tries to do in Honduras. In Honduras, there's a, like a monopoly, a monopoly. Very few people can do the specialties. And so what his vision has been is to go to Honduras in order to train more dentists, right, in specialties, so that the overall health, you know, uh, and well-being of people can rise. Like anyone, have you ever had to like pull a wisdom tooth, right? And your general dentist isn't really sure how to do it; it doesn't go well. And so that's what he's been doing. And so when he comes here, you know, I keep telling him, "Hey, Dad, just take a break. Choose any restaurants you want. We'll take you there. Like, let's go to spa, whatever you want." Instead, he's going around. He's meeting with, like, all these people who might be able to support him. And he is working, working, working. And I keep asking him, Dad, why don't you just, like, relax a little bit? Relax, right? And as his son, let me tell you one thing that's really hard to ignore. He keeps saying, because I love Jesus, and this I just have a few more years to live to reflect his kindness and His goodness, and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> like here I am watching Netflix. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But you, you see, like that has really left an impression that someday we have to give an account because God has called us to work. This is from the very beginning of creation, and even with the creation in Jesus. Do you believe that, friends? Is that something that you believe? that Work really matters to God. So that's number one. (coughs) Number two, this passage at the same time teaches us how to work, or what I like to call the rhythms of work, the rhythms of work, right? And you notice it's very straightforward. It basically says six days of the week you shall labor, but you shall what? Rest on the seventh. Six days of the week, you should labor, and on the seventh, you should rest, right? And why is this, like, why is this point so uh, important? Because, you see, friends, I would argue that, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> when you look at a lot of the literature out there, a lot of the literature out there, so there's this really good book, if you have a chance, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's called Essentialism, if you haven't read it, it's a really good book, Right? And uh, one of the things that he talks a lot about in this book is sleep, sleep. And I have a personal relationship with this thing called sleep, and let me tell you why. So my second son has no filter. I mean, if you want to know whether your sermon was good, if you want to know whether your food is good, right, you just have to ask him. I think I shared this story with you last time. There's one day he came home and he was hangry. Everyone here knows what that is, right? You know when you're angry because you're especially hungry. And he was giving me the look of death. So I said, All right, Jordan, I got it. I'm making him food and I'm feeding him. And then I said, Jordan, why are you so angry? And he said, What do you mean, why am I so angry? I'll tell you why we're so angry. <laughs> a seven year old gangster. <laughs> I'll tell you why we're so angry because we got, we got some bad genes in our family. Right? And I was like, bad genes? What are you talking about? And he goes, you know what? Everyone in my class is taller than me. And they're taller than me, because you're short, Dad. And you got bad genes. <laughs> and I thought about this a lot, because it's been on his mind. And you know why? Yes, I, I think 99% of it is hereditary. But let me tell you what totally messed me up. When I was in sixth grade, I had this uh, really charming pastor. He was very charismatic. He came, and he gave this message. And I remember this as a sixth grader. He said, this is why you should not sleep that much. Really interesting, right? And he basically said this. I want you to think about this with me for a moment, friends. Let's say you sleep eight hours a day. You sleep eight hours a day. And then if you also factor in like the first three to five years of your life, you sleep maybe 12 hours a day. And the last uh, you know, three to five years of your life, so you sleep like maybe more, like 10 hours a day. So he basically says, think about this with me for a moment. You're basically sleeping one third of your life, if not a half of your life. Shouldn't you be ashamed? When you stand before God, right? He's going to say, would you do with your life, sleep? I was in sixth grade and I was so convicted by that. I was like, are right. I'm not going to sleep. And it's because of that, Pastor, I'm shorter than I would have been, right? <laughs> but, you know, I highlight that because when I actually began to study the Bible, I realized that the Bible actually says exactly the opposite. This is why it's so interesting. It says exactly the opposite. What do I mean here? God says that the way we can work well is by adopting these Rhythms. These rhythms of, actually, I would say, faith. Because, you see, when God told Israel, six days of the week, you're going to work, you're going to rest on the seventh, that was unheard of at that time. And I would say it's unheard of even today, right? You work, 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 work. And then, especially now, since many of you work from home, you sort of don't know when work begins and, what, and when work ends. And haven't you, f- many of you felt like a loss of, like, balance, a loss of health? You see, God says that the way you can work well is by approaching work in a very radically different way. That is by faith, because this is what it means, right? <clears throat> when you actually Sabbath, When you take one day off from the week, right, what you are basically saying is you're saying, God, I admit that I am um, limited. I need to rest. I need to uh, be recharged. And most of all, I need to remember that no matter how much or how little I work, in the end, you are the provider. You are the source of every good need. And that's why friends like, If you think about this with me for a moment, Sabbath thing is actually an expression of faith. It's very similar to when you sleep. Like when I go to sleep each day, I always think about how there's so much more work to be done and I'm never going to get to all of it. And I'm going to sleep because I'm going to trust salvation belongs to the Lord. So that's why, friends, again, I want to say to you, this is why you should have a high view of sleeping. And this is also why you should have a high view of Sabbathing. Unless you Sabbath, you will never have the longevity you need to do any good work, right? And so that's number two. It's so simple, but it's really profound. Now, let me just uh, offer something, a quick application here. So we live in a very iconoclastic culture. What I mean by that is that we're all about out with the old, in with the new. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to be true to myself, right? Interestingly many sociologists many of the best thinkers have said we need to maybe be a little bit slower about this maybe there was wisdom in the ancient writings that told us if you want to do good work you have to learn to have the, these rhythms of grace by the way just if you need a secular uh corroboration of this uh, you might know the name bill gates bill gates uh, is really interesting so when he used to work at Microsoft, you know, he founded it. Um, but he was a workaholic. And um, do you remember that orange drink? Those of you that might have been alive in the '80s, and I think it was called Tan or something like that. So, so basically, he would work, work, work. And back then, they didn't have energy drinks. So you know what he used to do? He he confesses to this. He used to just dip his hand into it, stuff it into his mouth, get a kick, and just keep working, right? And he thought that that's, what, that's how you do good work. He of all people, right? Again, but he's, he, he by no means is a spiritual man. He said, even I am realizing that we all need the right rhythms. And isn't that interesting? It always brings us back to what God has already told us. So uh, that's how, but finally the power to do so. And here again, you know, I began by saying there's so much we could say about work. But I want to just suggest two things. Now, again, I I said there's so much that could be said, but just two things, right? And um, the first is this. Work can so easily become your justification, okay? That is, your resume, uh, what you accomplish, right, can so easily become your, your justification in life. And let me tell you, if and when this happens, right, you're going to be you're going to sleep but you're never going to feel restful you're going to be able to take breaks and maybe even go on vacations but you're never going to feel actually this kind of soul um, spiritual rest Uh, there was this um, individual at my church i'll I'll never forget him he he was unforgettable because this guy worked like you would not believe (laughs) this guy Uh, literally was working all the time, right? Even, I think, when he was sleeping, he was thinking about his work. And so our church really, uh, like, we were so saddened, you know, like, have you, like, uh, ever seen a hamster on one of those wheels? They just keep going and going. That That was what his life was like. So our church actually approached him and said, hey, listen, we bought you a gift. We told him we bought you a gift. We're going to send you away for 10 days. We're going to send you away for 10 days, right? And it's going to be an all-inclusive resort. You're just going to go, and you cannot take your computer. Go, rest, and relax. And so our church offered that to him. And he went. <clears throat> and you, that's, that's a nice package, right? <laughs> like, how many times does a church do that for you? I mean, that, that says something. And he was saying that even then when he came back, he could not rest. He didn't feel rested. And this is part of the reason why, part of the reason why. He comes from, like, a very a tough, he has a tough story, as many of you have uh, as well. And uh, you, if I can just put it broadly in this way. Many of the people that should have believed in him, many of the people that should have supported him, right, in one shape or form basically conveyed to him, you're never going to amount to anything. Right? That was the basic message that was conveyed to him, right? And you see, I think some of you in this room could struggle with that, you know? Uh, maybe in some shape or form. And so his motivation, much of his motivation for working, was to prove that he was not nothing, but that he was someone. In other words, he was looking for his justification in his work. And that's why if you go back to that classic movie, remember Rocky? Rocky? When he goes the distance, and his girlfriend at the time, who later became his wife, sees him getting pummeled. I mean, it's bad. <laughs> He's getting like beat up really badly. And basically, his girlfriend says to him, Why are you doing this? Why are you going the distance, right? And do you remember Rocky's famous line? To prove that, you know, I'm not nothing. You see, and that's why work can really hijack us. And the way. We actually can Sabbath in the truest sense, right? Is when, like, and I, I don't mean this in a cliched way, I mean this genuinely. When you turn to Jesus and you see that He is your justification, He is like your identity, He is your essence, and therefore He is your freedom. So, friends, this is why, like, When I say I love the gospel, it's not like, "Ah, you know, we practice as pastors in front of the mirror. I love the gospel. Does that seem authentic, right? No, like like when you understand the gospel, it is so freeing. Um, I think I shared with you, I spoke at a conference not too long ago. Let me tell you, that was a really important conference. I bombed it completely bombed it. And I, I, I think I might have, forgive me, like I have an atrociously bad memory now as I age, but it just was bad from the beginning because as soon as I got up here, right, a wasp was flying over my head because it thought my hair was a nest. And um, I was really nervous. I was like, it's going to sting me. I'm going to yell, like with a very high pitch, Everyone is going to laugh. And by the way, everyone saw it too. You know the elephant in the room, right? And so no one's paying attention to Jesus and his death and resurrection. They're looking at the swaths. And it was an abysmally bad message. It was it was really bad. Really, really bad. And uh, when I was driving home, I was like, well, they're never inviting me again, right? But you know, when I got home, my wife said, how did it go? I thought, mm, no, it didn't go well. And you know what? And that was it. And it was fine. Because my work and my performance, they are not my ultimate identity. Because Jesus on the cross said, it's finished, right? When God looks at you, he's not saying, well, make sure you don't screw that one up, right? Jesus says, it is finished. And you see, friends, to the degree that the gospel really takes hold of your heart, You're actually able to work well because your work is no longer your master. See, that's the great thing. And you may not fully get it now, but again, I want to say this: when Jesus, like he becomes all the world to you, and his approval, and most of all, what he has already accomplished on the cross, right? That becomes your identity. You can actually work really well now. Because, and this is why, again, I don't want to go into tangent, I'm running out of time already. It's because of this. You're no longer afraid of failure because even failure is not your identity, right? If and when you reach that, your work will radically be transformed. The last uh, quick application I want to give is this. You see, but that doesn't mean we are lazy because once, like, the gospel takes hold of our lives, right? We want to show that Jesus is worth our lives you know whether you eat or drink whatever you do do it all unto the glory of god and if i can end by giving you this very concrete application so how can we work to god's glory because that sounds all lofty and majestic and like oh my gosh what does this look like you know for the glory of god let me suggest something to you okay and by the way once it clicks you'll be amazed by this again how can you work in a way that brings God most glory and it, you know, changes the world. You know how you do it well? Be competent at what you do. Let me just say this one more time. I know that you're like, that's it? Yes, that's it. Because even in your life, how many competent people have you met? Yeah? Now Just think about this with me for a moment. And this is not to be mean-spirited, but how many plumbers have you had that actually got the work done right the first time and they fixed the problem? Or how many, do you know what I mean? When is the last time you met someone and their work was so good that you're like, huh, I don't want to close with this note. I think about, when I think about competence, I cannot help but think about my sophomore year of high school math teacher. I'll never forget this man. His name was Mr. Geller. Even his name sounds deadly, right? He was the math teacher no one wanted. Do you know why? He cared about one thing. He didn't care whether you liked him. He didn't care if you thought uh, he was a cool like teacher. He cared about one thing and one thing only, that you learned math, Right? Let me tell you, this man was brutal. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, no mercy, right? But you know what is so outrageous? So he taught me how to do geometric proofs, right? And um, when I look back, he really showed me how to do geometric proofs so well. And the irony is 10 years later, when I would learn systematic theology, do you know why it came to me so easily? He was a competent math teacher, see? And this is why, friends, I want to encourage you, having heard everything that you've heard today, God wants you to be fruitful, right? He wants you to do so by adopting the rhythms of faith, you know, rest, and then finally, Jesus enables us to do that. You know what that means? Whatever God has called you to do, be so competent at it that people are like, huh, that was really good. Because every good work ultimately points us what, to the good creator who is working to make all things new. Okay, Let me uh, pray for us. Let's pray together. <clears throat> God, thank you for this church. Thank you for this wonderful church. And um, I pray that they would become such a wonderful force for the gospel in this Arlington area. And uh, we pray for their leaders, that their leaders would enjoy longevity and i pray for this church that these go- simple basic gospel truths would really resonate with us <clears throat> you want us to be fruitful you don't you don't want us to waste our lives but thank you that the way we are fruitful is ironically by learning how to rest because whenever we rest that's a faith statement And thank you that in the end <clears throat> even our work is not our justification. Thank you that Jesus gives us freedom to work, to fail occasionally as well, because our identity rests in him. And because we have that freedom, I pray that we would seek to do our uh, work with so much competence and in this way reflect that you are working to renew the world. It's in the Son's name we pray. Amen.